This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow as we prepare for worship. God, our Father, your love is at work in all that you have made. Son of God, in your likeness, we are made new. Holy Spirit, touch, your, touch our lives with hope. Receive our worship. Claim for us your service. Set us free to honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our, our, our ears to listen to his word, and our voices to be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Friends, today is World Communion Sunday. For over 80 years, Christians around the world have made it their point to celebrate communion on the first Sunday of October to symbolize our unity in Christ. Every tongue and nation shall come to the table of the Lord. It is our tradition here at Church of the Palms on World Communion Sunday for many of our people to don the garb of various cultures and during our first hymn to parade before us as a parade of nations and cultures coming to table and signifying our oneness and communion in Christ. So hear the words of the psalmist. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us worship God. Sunday, we acknowledge that the church, which shares one spirit, one faith, one hope, and one calling, has often become a broken communion in a broken world. God's one body spans all time, place, race, and language. But in our fears, we have fled from and fought one another, and in our pride, we have mistaken our part for the whole. Hear our confession together as we pray for forgiveness for not seeking and showing the unity of Christ. Holy God, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men and women through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We have belittled your love and betrayed your trust. We are sorry, we are ashamed, we repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
forgive us all that is past, and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks be to God. In Christ we have the forgiveness of sins and the riches of his grace given to us to share with all who are like and who are unlike to share that unity which we have in Christ. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. On this day, people from around the world are affirming together this beautiful and wonderful and historic creed, and we are going to join in with them as we share together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He descended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we ask you to circulate and greet some of these wonderful people who are part of your fellow believers.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We're so glad you're with us as we come to God's table and know that we are drawn here by the invitation of our Lord and Savior and grateful that we can be in communion with, with our Lord as well as with each other. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and we encourage you to fill out the friendship pads as they make their way uh, across the pews and we hope that you'll note those folks who are sitting near you uh, in order to encourage that communion that we know in Christ. We are delighted that we can uh, be about the fall season, which is in uh, full speed ahead mode. And uh, we know that uh, you've been paying attention to that through our Connect magazine, as well as through the church bulletin. We invite you to always pay attention to those instruments, as well as go onto our website. Uh, lots of stuff there for you to learn about in terms of Church of the Palms. And uh, we encourage you to also make sure you're on our email list so that we can uh, get news out to you as quickly and as efficiently as possible. A couple things to call to your attention. We're starting a new service today. Our second garden service will be starting at 11 o'clock this morning. So uh, if you want to double dip, you can. Uh, worship here at 9, go there at 11. Worship there at 9, come here at 11. But we are... Uh, back to a four-service schedule for uh, Sunday morning, so you might want to give that a try and find out about the great things that are happening over there in the garden. Uh, this coming Saturday, we are very excited about a leadership forum as we continue to develop our, our growing in Christ as leaders. Uh, we invite you, all of you, if you would like to come to be a part of our leadership uh, forum. Rick Howell, who is the director of Samaritan Counseling Center right here on our campus, is going to be our uh, uh, moderator that day and sharing with us a little bit about the internal journey of a leader. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, just call the church office, sign up. You won't regret it. It will be a great uh, morning of reflection. And uh, I know I'm personally looking forward to it, so I hope you'll join me in coming this coming Saturday morning. Trunk or treat is something new for us. This is a way for us to reach out to our community, uh, our immediate neighborhood, as well as to the parents of our uh, early childhood center. We are inviting you to join us as we decorate our cars. How many of you have a car? <laughs> Excellent. Um, people are signing up to decorate their cars for October the 24th. We're going to be putting them out there on the back 40 and inviting families from our community and from our uh, Early Childhood Center to come and do a little trunk or treat. They'll uh, have a little treats offered by people who have brought their cars that are all decorated. We're going to be decorating them in biblical characters so that we can be able to tell the great story of God as we do that. We would love for you to come, and if you'd like to learn more about that, just see Martha Church out underneath the tree after the service today, and she will be glad to let you know about how you can participate. Another great way for you to participate in our life is through offering your gifts of mind through our tutoring ministry. Uh, Judy Armitage uh, lets us know every, year, every week about uh, the gap between uh, tutors and the amount of kids needing tutoring. The gap is about 30 children on our waiting list who yearn to be taught just for an hour, one hour a week from somebody who knows a little bit about reading or a little bit about math or a little bit about social studies. We would love for you to help us out with that, close that gap down so that no child is waiting for our ministry. That would be a wonderful thing. So we would love for you to come out underneath the tree. Judy will be there to take your name and to help us out 
uh, with that. And then lastly, our C.S. Lewis reading group starts up again on Tuesday at 6 p.m., so come and join us for that. And we celebrate with all the shepherding deacons that were here yesterday. Uh, Seventy-plus shepherding deacons were here to be uh, oriented and trained again and to uh, be gathered up to learn more about their ministry together. And so we rejoice in that good news. Let's now continue our worship.
Let us pray. For all the great and wondrous things you have done for us, O oh God, we are grateful. Thank you that each sunrise means a new beginning and that you give us second, third, and fourth chances and more because you love us with a love that we can only begin to comprehend through your Son, Jesus Christ. We want to pass on the good news about Jesus and your love through these tithes and offerings. So please accept these gifts and multiply them as you did the loaves and fishes for your honor and glory and the expansion of your kingdom. In the matchless name of Christ our Lord, amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Lori. Good morning, Grace. Great job bringing your Bible today. Wow. Hello, Maddie. How are you? How is Cedar Kirk? Good. Good. Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So we have this great story today in the Bible found in Exodus, which is in the second book of the Old Testament. And it's about this guy, Moses, who is out there minding his own business, taking care of his sheep when this big bush starts on fire. But there was something strange about this fire because the bush didn't burn up. It just kept burning and burning. So Moses goes over to the bush and he steps closer and he hears this voice that says, Moses, Moses, I think it's a really deep voice, Moses, take your sandals off for you are standing on holy ground. Right then he knew that it was God who was speaking to him and God was calling him to do something very special and something where he had to be very brave because something was breaking God's heart the way his people were being treated in Egypt. So I'm wondering, have you ever felt a tug on your heart to be brave or to be special, to do something special? You have, Cynthia. Anything? It's okay. It was a thought. It came and went. Reese. Project Safe. Oh, Project Safe. Would you stand up? Take a step back there, please. Thank you so much. Would you tell us, what is Project SAFE? Project SAFE stands for Stuffed Animals for Encouragement. And what are you going to do? What does it mean, then? I'm giving stuffed animals for kids in the hospital to make them feel safe and happy. Wow. Did you hear that? Stuffed animals? Do they have to be this big? No, I just wanted to get your attention. It got my attention. Did I get your attention? So this sounds so awesome that we could bring stuffed animals. Tell us, what could we do to help you? You can meet me under the tree on the next two Sundays to give money or new stuffed animals for kids in the hospital. Did you hear that? We can bring in brand new stuffed animals or money if we don't have time to shop, and Reese is going to take them to Sarasota Hospital for kids who need to feel maybe a little more safe and to feel encouraged. It's such a great idea. You know what I love best? Is that we have young leaders like this in our church who feel that tug from God and want to do something about it. So thank you and bless you, Reese. Would you pray for us? Sure. Can you hold us? I'd be happy to. He's going to pray, too. Awesome. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving each one of us and calling us to do, do special and brave things in little and big ways. Help us just show your love to others. Amen. Amen. All right, guys.
Well, the good news is I'm not contagious anymore. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to greeting you after the service today, but I got a little bit of a leftover of this virus on my hands, so don't be freaked out about the hands, but at least I'll high-five you on the way out. So uh, our scripture this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 3. Uh, first from Exodus chapter 1, a, a little story in the midst of this uh, beginning of the story of Moses. We all know that Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are this overarching story of Moses leading the people of God out of, Is out of Egypt and to the Promised Land. And the story begins here in the first chapter of Exodus, and there is this little story within it that uh, is important for us to hear as we then move to hearing the call of God for Moses in Exodus chapter 3. So hear the word of God. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. Because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now the chapter three, after Moses has been delivered from his trip down the river and has been raised in Pharaoh's family and has now gone into self-exile in the wilderness in Sinai, we hear these words from chapter three. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he said, I will be with you. 
And this shall be the sign for you that as I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. What are we to make of this strange thing? What are we to make of this strange thing? I don't know how many of you joined me last Sunday night when at about 10 p.m. I stepped outside my home and looked into the sky and witnessed what has been referred to as the super blood moon. Likely, at least you read about it in the newspaper or the internet or saw it on TV, the super blood moon is a convergence of astronomical cycles when the moon passes closest in its orbit to the earth and thus appears 14 percent larger and at the same time is eclipsed by the earth's shadow creating a large orange moon must be a good sign the last time it happened was 33 years ago in 1982 and that's when i got married and that's one of the best things i've ever done and yet as I stood in my driveway watching the shadow fall across the moon and this orange hue appearing, it made me wonder about our ancient forebears of long ago who spent a lot more time stargazing in the sky, primarily because they didn't have 563 TV channels to watch at night. And without the benefits of telescopes and the findings of astronomical science, observing such rare phenomenon, sometimes happening for them maybe only once in a lifetime, you can only imagine for them what wonderments such heavenly occurrences elicited. What does this mean that the moon falls into shadow and that the evening orb takes on such ominous color? For many, the question would have been, what are the heavens? What is God trying to say to us? That's why, of course, we find in the Bible references to the blood moon, because the ancients asked these kinds of questions. What is God trying to say through such unusual natural occurrences? We ask this, of course, of other unusual natural occurrences. Think of a, a rainbow. It doesn't happen all the time, right? And when it does happen, we usually go, ah, a rainbow. 
We know specifically how rainbows occur, the refraction of light across water droplets in the atmosphere. Nevertheless, right, the people of faith are reminded of that great Bible story that asks the question, what is God trying to say to us through this colorful bow in the sky? Answer that God would never again destroy the world through a flood. Though this summer in Southwest Florida, we were beginning to wonder. And so in chapter three of Exodus, we find Moses, after having quite an early life from his merciful deliverance by courageous midwives, his perilous voyage down the river in a basket, raised by Pharaoh's family, murdering an Egyptian to protect his own people, and then self-imposed exile in the Sinai desert, Moses has had quite a life up until this point. But then things really get strange when this very unusual occurrence takes place. Out in the wilderness, Moses sees a burning bush. Now, likely he's seen burning bushes before, quite common in the arid wilderness with many lightning strikes, but there is something uncommon about this burning bush. It does not stop burning. And when Moses turns aside and approaches this burning bush, he asks his question, what, what is God, might, what might God be trying to say through this unusual occurrence? And sure enough, God says something. In this deeply mystical and mysterious moment, God speaks to Moses and God says to him that he is to go back to Egypt to deliver his people from slavery. Now this is quite a moment to say the least, literally a life changing moment. But when a man encounters the presence and call of God that tells him in no uncertain terms that he is supposed to totally upend his life, I can only imagine that such a man would be, would have an urge to understand a little bit more. What are you, why, who are you that you would be calling me to do such a thing? And so Moses would just like to know the name of God who has called him to upend his life. What shall I say is your name? You know, he asked almost the exact same question that Jacob asked last week, right? In his wrestling match. Remember Jacob wrestling with God last week? And Jacob asked, what is your name? And the mysterious one doesn't say anything, doesn't answer the question. So Moses asks the question again. In the burning bush, he asks, what is your name? And the voice says, I am who I am. Not the kind of answer I'm sure Moses was looking for. And, and maybe that's God's way of saying to Moses that he may be asking the wrong question. I am who I am. I'm too big for a name. I am simply who I am. And you will find me not as much by name as by what is to occur. Not so much by name, but by what is to occur. And so maybe, going back to Jacob, maybe that explains when Jacob asked God to give up his name, God does not answer that. Maybe something is going to happen even more wonderfully because after Jacob limps away with his wrestling with God, who should Jacob run into? He runs into the very person he doesn't want to run into, his brother. 
And he doesn't want to see his brother because the last time he saw his brother, his brother wanted him dead. Jacob had cheated on Esau, took everything that was of value to him, and now Esau had no use for him. So when Jacob sees Esau, He's expecting his own demise. He's expecting the look on Esau's face to be one of anger and of spite and of vengeance. But when Jacob sees Esau's face, all he sees is mercy. All he sees is forgiveness and reconciliation. And Jacob says, I may not know God's name, but I have seen God's face. I have seen God's face in the merciful expression of my brother. I may not know God's name, but I have seen God's face. And I wonder if that isn't good news for us today because, you know, the truth is not many of us can claim a, a burning bush experience. Not many of us have heard God speak from the clouds or from the blood moon or, or from a burning bush. Some of us perhaps, but, but not many of us. But I wonder if maybe the good news for us today is that God, who's too big for a name, does in fact show up in many ways and in many places far past a name. I wonder if God doesn't show up most of all in the faces of his people. We find God more than just in a name. We find God in a face. Thomas Lewis and his psychiatrist colleagues in their great book on love called A General Theory of Love talk about how perhaps the most important moment in a newborn's life, in a human's life, is when he or she connects with the loving kindness of his or her mother or father's face. This is the moment of security the smiling, loving, expressive face of a parent seconds after birth. It is this face that speaks something that words cannot speak. For months, a baby cannot understand the words that are being said to him or her, but understands everything in that face looking into that child's eyes. It is, of course, why even today when we are texting and emailing, we put our smiley faces, frowny faces, teary faces, because a face sometimes says it more than the words. A face is even more important than a name. And don't you think that might explain that when the people of Israel told the story of Moses, wrote down the story of Moses, that they were sure to include the story of those midwives. Remember the midwives, Puah and Shifra, those courageous Hebrew women who when Pharaoh said it was their job to keep those boys from living. It was those courageous Hebrew midwives who heard the call of God to upend their lives, to put their lives on the line make sure those babies lived so that when little baby Moses came into the world, what was the first thing he sees? Oh, he sees the face. He sees the face of mercy and compassion and kindness and courage. He sees Puah. 
Or maybe he sees Shifra, those amazing, courageous, merciful women, and in their faces, he sees the face of God. I'm going to bet that the most significant spiritual experiences of your life have come with a face. The face of mercy, the face of grace, the face of truth, the face of sympathy, the face of compassion, the face of joy, the face of understanding. God shows up in the faces of his people. I've told you once before that Christmas day, back when I was 16 and I was driving on my learner's permit with the whole family in the car on the way to grandma and grandpa's house for Christmas. And I lost control of the car and slammed 55 miles an hour into a telephone pole. It was the worst day of my life. Ambulances, police cars, emergency room doctors, broken bones. It was just awful. But what I didn't tell you was the moment when my father pulled me aside, he and I were the only ones left unscathed from the accident, and he walked me down the emergency room hallway and sat me down, and so I sat down with head hung low, and he said, look at me, look at me, and when I raised my head of shame, I looked. And there was the face, the face of mercy. And he said, it's okay. It's going to be okay. God shows up in the faces of his people Burning bush, blood moon, not so often. But God shows up in the faces of his people. And so the Christian world gathers today from every tribe and every nation. The world gathers today around the table of Jesus, the one who humbles himself even to take on a name, Jesus of Nazareth. But it's not the name we're after today, right? It's the face, the merciful face of the one who has invited us to this table, who calls us in from all those troubled places and says, look at me, look at me. It's going to be okay. You are forgiven. And maybe today we see him most of all in the faces of each other. The faces of the world gathered together looking into each other's eyes. And to see perhaps the mercy of Jesus reflected in each of our faces. It's what they said about Moses, you know. They said that when he met God face to face, his face shone. And what greater calling could there be but for you and me to be the face of God to each other and to all those in our lives who need a little mercy, a little mercy.
if only to know it's going to be okay. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. On this World Communion Sunday, we come together to this table from the east and the west and the south and the north. And with all the languages and cultures that we have been raised in, we come together to feast at this table, not just at Church of the Palms, but also all around the world. I would also invite you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who invite us to this table as you pass the plate of the bread and the tray of the cup, look at one another's face and see God's love and grace in one another's face. And, let, and in the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus took bread after giving thanks to God. 
he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Every time you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. And every time we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the death of our risen Lord until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to this table grateful for all the gifts of grace you have given us. You formed the universe in your wisdom and created all things by your power. You set us in families on the earth to live with you in faith. You walked with your chosen people through their history of good and evil times. You came to us incarnate in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In him we know you. Through him we receive your love. By his gift of life we know the depth of your compassion and abundance of your forgiveness given to us in Jesus' death and resurrection. We celebrate that gift of salvation this day. We praise you for good gifts of bread and wine and the table you prepare in the world as a sign of your love for all people in Christ. As we come to this table, we lift our prayers for the world you love. Grant that peace may come and justice may prevail. Grant that hunger, oppression, and war might be undone. Free us from the true, the rule of evil, we pray. Be with those who are ill or grieving and surrounded. We pray that you will surround them with your healing mercies. Be with those who lead us. Give them your wisdom. Be those who serve us. Give them our gratitude. Be with those who heal us. Give them your compassion. Protect those who live and serve in places of danger on behalf of our country or for the sake of the gospel. Give us your joy in this meal, for we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Jesus took the bread.
after supper, Jesus took the cup.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we praise you for you have prepared a table. You have prepared a table for your people. You have prepared a table for the world. It is you who invites us to come from east and west, north and south to this table, this common table for all people. While we live in a world where the politics of the day would seek to drive us apart, we are grateful, O Lord, that there is the one the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, who stands in our midst and says, come together at table. We praise you that we have been fed. We praise you that you have called us like Moses now to go into the world to free people from their fears and from their hurts and from their worries, free them that they may come to know of the gracious love of the Savior. They may come to know the love that God has for all the children of the world. And we pray this in his name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.